Welcome to Zichru Daf Siman Member by Abraham Goldai, and today Mazech is Nadarim Daf Memches, the fifth parak Hashutafim. So the three types we're going to focus on. Number one, the next mission records an incident in which someone's father was Mudahana from him, and he wanted his father to be able to enjoy his chasna. He therefore gifted the courtyard and banquet to another person, adding, They are only yours so that my father can attend and join in the meal. The recipient declared that if they are his, he is maktish them. When the giver objected that it was not given to him for such a purpose, he responded, You gave to me only that you and your father should eat and drink together and appease each other, and the sin will hang on my head for facilitating it. The Chami said that any gift that the recipient does not have the ability to be makdish, the gift is not valid and it is not truly his. The Gemara explains that the gift was ineffective here because the end of the statement showed the true intent of the beginning, meaning by explicitly stating that he was giving it only to allow his father to attend, he never meant for it to become the recipient's. Pointing to the Gemara records an incident in which someone made a net of prohibiting his property on his wayward son, and the run adds that he had another son to whom he intended to gift his property before his death. When it was pointed out that his grandson had yet become a Talmachachim, he declared, Let this wayward one acquire half the property, and if my grandson becomes a Talmachachim, he will acquire it then. The Pumunisian said about this transaction, This is a case of acquire in order to transfer to another, in that the wayward son only acquired the property insofar as it would later become his own son's. In their opinion, all such transactions are invalid. Rav Nachman disagreed and said even such transactions are valid. And pointing with you, Rav Nachman sought to prove that Kani Almanasa Haknos is a valid Kenyan from a kerchief used to affect Khalifin. There the recipient does not keep or use it. His receiving it is only to affect his transacting property to the other party after which he returns the kerchief. Still, it is sufficient to enable the transaction which shows that such a transaction is legitimate. Ravashi deflected this proof on two accounts. First, who is to tell us that if he seizes the kerchief, it's not seized? Meaning that although the recipient generally returns the kerchief, it's possible that if he chooses to keep it, he may. And that is why receiving the kerchief is able to affect the khalifin. Second, the transaction created by the kerchief is effective immediately while the kerchief is still in the possession of the recipient. But in the case of the wayward son, the act making the transaction is done long before the actual acquisition takes effect, since he only wants the grandson to take possession if and when he becomes a Talmachachim, and such a Kenyan is ineffective. So once again, the next mission records an incident in which someone's father was Mudrahana from him, and he wanted his father to be able to enjoy his chasna. He therefore gifted the courtyard and banquet to another person, adding, They are only yours so that my father can attend and join in the meal. The recipient declared that if they are his, he is maktish them. When the giver objected that it was not given to him for such a purpose, he responded, You gave to me only that you and your father should eat and drink together and appease each other, and the sin will hang on my head for facilitating it. The Chami said that any gift that the recipient does not have the ability to be makdish, the gift is not valid and it is not truly his. The Gemara explains that the gift was ineffective here because the end of a statement showed the true intent of the beginning, meaning by explicitly stating that he was giving it only to allow his father to attend, he never meant for it to become the recipient's. Pointing me to the Gemara records an incident in which someone made a net of prohibiting his property on his wayward son, and the run adds that he had another son to whom he intended to gift his property before his death. 
when it was pointed out that his grandson had yet become a Tamachachim, he declared, Let this wayward one acquire half the property, and if my grandson becomes a Tamachachim, he will acquire it then. The Pumanisian said about this transaction, This is a case of acquire in order to transfer to another, in that the wayward son only acquired the property insofar as it would later become his own sons. In their opinion, all such transactions are invalid. Rav Nachman disagreed and said even such transactions are valid. And pointing with you, Rav Nachman sought to prove that Kani Almanasa Haknos is a valid Kenyan from a kerchief used to affect Khalifin. There the recipient does not keep or use it. His receiving it is only to affect his transacting property to the other party after which he returns the kerchief. Still, it is sufficient to enable the transaction which shows that such a transaction is legitimate. Ravashi deflected this proof on two accounts. First, who is to tell us that if he seizes the kerchief, it's not seized, meaning that although the recipient generally returns the kerchief, it's possible that if he chooses to keep it, he may, and that is why receiving the kerchief is able to affect the khalifin. Second, the transaction created by the kerchief is effective immediately while the kerchief is still in the possession of the recipient, but in the case of the wayward son, the act making the transaction is done long before the actual acquisition takes effect, since he only wants the grandson to take possession if and when he becomes a Talmachachim, and such a Kenyan is ineffective. All right, so now we get our Simbidav Memches, and our standard simon is Brainiacs, right, to Moach. Brainiacs are very bright people. So here goes. The brainiac who immediately detected why a chassan just gifted him with a courtyard and banquet and spoiled his plans. Also from the chassan's father that his strategy to give his property to his wayward son if his grandson becomes a Talmachachim is defective by demonstrating that a Kenyan suitor is different. Once again, it's emotion. The brainiac, brainiac, that must be one of memches. Moach, brain. The brainiac who immediately detected why Chassan just gifted him with a courtyard and banquet and spoiled his plans, which reminds us, we have the Maisa based Choron where we learn that the Chomni said that any gift of the recipient does not have the ability to be Makdish. The gift is not valid and is not truly his. The Gemara explains that the gift was ineffective here because the end of his statement showed the true intent of the beginning, meaning by explicitly saying that he was giving it only to allow his father to attend the Chasna means that he never meant it for it to become the recipient's. So, the brainiac who immediately detected why Hassan just gifted him with a courtyard and banquet and spoiled his plans also informed the Hassan's father that his strategy to give his property to his wayward son if his grandson becomes a Tamachachim is defective, which reminds us we have the Malchuk as if Kani Amanas acquire in order to transfer is effective, such as in the case of one who wants to gift his property to his grandson, the son of his wayward son, if he becomes a Tamachachim. So, the brainiac who immediately detected why Hassan just gifted him with a courtyard and banquet and spoiled his plans, also informed the Hassan's father that his strategy to give his property to his wayward son if his grandson becomes a Talmachachim is defective by demonstrating that a Kenyan suitor is different. Which reminds us, Rav Nachman sought to prove that Kanyaman Nasa Haknos is a valid Kenyan from a kerchief used to affect Khalifin. There, the recipient does not keep or use it. His receiving it is only to affect his transacting property to the other party, after which he returns the kerchief. Still, it's sufficient to enable the transaction, which shows that such a transaction is legitimate. Ravashi deflected this proof on two accounts. So once again, the brainiac who immediately detected why Hassan just gifted him with a courtyard and banquet and spoiled his plans also informed the Hassan's father that his strategy to give his property to his wayward son if his grandson becomes a Tamachachim is defective by demonstrating that a Kenyan suitor is different. Alright, so now we go to our four blah Daf Mem Dalad. So the symbol of Daf Mem Dalad is mud. So here it goes. 
The frustrated man who was Mafkir's property got covered by a mudslide. Mudslide? That must mean off Memdolid. Mud. The frustrated man who was Mafkir's property got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, which reminds us of Bryce had taught. One who was Mafkir's field may retract during the first three days, but henceforth he cannot retract. The Bryce continues that if he said it should be Hefker for one day or other limited periods of time, that he can retract without limitations until someone acquires the field. The Gemara seeks to determine if this is the opinion of Yossi or the Rabbanan. So the frustrated man who was Mufkir's property that got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, had second thoughts when his neighbor made a highly unusual hefker for a day, indicating that the field should return to his domain, which reminds us, Ula said that the entire bracelet can be the opinion of the Rabbanan. The reason why he can retract his hefker without any time limit is because this case, where he was only Mufkir for a limited time, is highly unusual and indicates that he intends for it to return to his domain. Therefore, we assume he also intends that even while it's Hefker, it should remain his until someone acquires it, like Rabiosi holds is the case with every Hefker. So, the frustrated man who was Mufkir's property that got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, had second thoughts when his neighbor made a highly unusual Hefker for a day, indicating that the field should return to his domain. So he arose the next morning and harvested his mud-covered vineyard, which was now Chayv and Peret and Olulos, but Midaraisa. Pater from Maisa, which reminds us the more challenges Rach Lakish's opinion from Abraisa, it said that one who was Mafkara's vineyard and the next morning arose and harvested it and reacquired it is obligated in Peret and Ola, Shukha and Peah, and his Pater from Maisa. Daf Memhe, so the Zimmer Daf Memhe is Monopoly. So here goes. There's sore loser who is Mafkara's Monopoly board. Monopoly? That must mean more in Daf Memhe, Ma, Monopoly. The sore loser who has mafkir his monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract, which reminds us that more explains according to Biyosi, when Hefker is made in front of two or fewer people, since it will not become publicly known, it seems that the owner intends for it to be taken specifically by one of these people, which is like a gift. A Hefker declared in front of three, on the other hand, will become public knowledge and Biyosi agrees in such a case that it is immediately ownerless and he cannot retract. So the sore loser who was Mafkir's monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract didn't realize there were three people present which enabled one of them to acquire it and the other two to testify. Which reminds us, the Gemara records Malchokas between Amarayim about how many people must be present for a Hefker to be effective. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimbin Yehotzadak, anyone who's Mafkir before three people is Hefker, but before two people, it's not Hefker at least as far as being able to retract. Rishubin Levi said, By Torah law, even with one person present, it's Hefker. And why do they say to be Mafkir before three? So that one can acquire it and two will be able to testify. This would ensure that the owner would not be able to deny the Hefker after it's acquired. So the sore loser whose Mafkir is monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract didn't realize there were three people present which enabled one of them to acquire it and the other two to testify and couldn't even go home through his jointly owned courtyard to sulk because he and his partner vowed not to benefit from each other. Which reminds us, the first mission, the fifth parak begins, Partners who vowed not to benefit from each other are forbidden to enter their jointly owned courtyard. Rabbi Yazid Yaakov says, This one enters his share, and this one enters his share, which means that wherever each one walks in the property is considered his portion. The Gemara in Baba Kama explains that the dispute is rooted in Brera, retroactive determination. Daf Mem Vav. So the similar Daf Mem Vav is a cow going moo. So here goes. The two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard. Cows? That must be one Daf Mem Vav. Moo.
The two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which reminds us, the Mishan Daf Memhe Amabes brought him out locus, whether partners in a courtyard who prohibited themselves to derive benefit from one another may make use of the courtyard. The Gemara Ardaf states, but not Ropliki. They argue whether partners vowed to forbid themselves from benefiting from each other, and the Gemara asks, if they vowed against each other, prohibiting the other from benefiting from himself, what did the Rabbanon hold? The question is left unresolved. So the two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which was quite small and didn't have a din chaluka, which reminds us of this malchokas if the Gemara was discussing a courtyard that was large enough to have a din chaluka or not. So the two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which was quite small and didn't have a din chaluka, but did have an all press which they maintained a holding in, which prevented Amudra Hana from them from using. Which reminds us, the Mishnah Memvav Amadalv taught that one who is Mudra Hana from his friend and the friend has a bathhouse or all press in the city, if the owner has a Tfisa's Yada holding in it, it's forbidden for him to use. But if he doesn't have a Tfisa's Yada holding in it, it is permitted. If the landlord retains a holding in the property, it's still considered his and the user is benefiting from him. The Gemara here seeks to define what qualifies as a holding, a Tfisa's Yad, which is sufficient to consider the landlord the owner. Daf Mem Zayn, so the simmer Daf Mem Zayn is a maze. So here goes. The sun running through a corn maze. Maze? That must be more in Daf Mem Zayn. The sun running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade his son from in life and in death, which reminds us, we learn that a person can prohibit his property to others, for even after it is no longer his, from a case where if a father forbade his property to his son explicitly in his lifetime and after his death, and he died, his son does not inherit him, meaning he may not benefit from the inherited property. So the son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade his son from in life and in death, wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods. Which reminds us, the Mishandav Nunzai Namadov states that if one makes a konum declaration of particular fruits and then they are exchanged for goods or money, those proceeds are forbidden to him. Rami Barchama asked if he said konum these fruits on pony, what is the luck regarding these exchanges, meaning goods received in exchange for them? So the son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade his son from in life and in death wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods because his wife's creditors were chasing him after he told her, Kona, my benefit on you. Which reminds us, Rav Achabam and Yumi suggested a proof that exchanged goods for a prohibited item are permitted to be used from a rights which taught if one says to his wife, Kona, my benefit to you, she can borrow for her needs and the creditors come and collect from the husband which is chive to support her but he cannot do so directly because of his net. The Gemara considers this arrangement of the wife borrowing whereby the husband becomes chive to pay the creditors as if she exchanged his property for the loan money yet is permitted. The Gemara answers that in this case it might be permitted because it's an indirect exchange. Alright, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do we have the question of partners vowed against each other, whether they're prohibited from using their joint courtyard? That's on Duff. Memvav. Good number two. Which stuff do you learn that a Kenyan suitor cannot be brought as proof that Kani Amanasa Haknos is effective? That's on Duff. Memchas. Good number three. Which stuff do you learn the Rami Barchama asked if one said Konum these fruits on pony, what is the halacha regarding their exchanges, meaning goods received in exchange for them? That's on Duff. Mamzine. Good number three. Which thing when the Rabbi Yeshuvan Levi says one can be mafkir with one person present, but three are required so one can acquire it and two can testify? That's on Duff. Memhe. Good number four. 
which stuff would be the case where one wanted to gift his grandson, the son of his wayward son, if the grandson became a Talmud Chacham, that's on Dav. Memchas. Good number five. Which of they learned that if an owner has tfisas yada holding in a merchatz or all press, that one who is mudahana from him may not use it? That's on Dav. Membav. Good number six. Which stuff do we have the incident based Horon where we learn that the gift was ineffective here because the end of a statement showed the true intent of the beginning? That's on Dav. Memchas. Good number seven. Which stuff do we learn that if a father forbade his property to his son explicitly in his lifetime and after his death, and he died, his son does not inherit him. That's on Duff. Memzine. Good number eight. Which of the one that Ula says when one is only mafka for a limited time, it's highly unusual and indicates that one intends for it to return to his domain. That's on Duff. Memdalad. Good number nine. Which of the one that one says to his wife, Kona might benefit to you. She can borrow for her needs and the creditors can come and collect from her husband. That's on Duff. Memzine. Good. Number 10. Which stuff do we have a case where one was Mafkir's vineyard and the next morning arose and harvested it and reacquired it? That's on Dov. Memdod. Excellent. That concludes today's shear. This is Rabbi Ram Goldham Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.